Today we continue our verse-by-verse study in the book of Revelation. Uh, Today we will be in our seventh message as we finish out uh, this first chapter. Now again, as we move along, I'm not even guessing uh, how long this study is going to take. I'm not sure uh, Jesus won't be back before we finish this study. Uh, That'll be fine with me. Uh, So far as we've moved, now seven weeks, uh, seven sermons, we're finishing up the first chapter. So far as we've moved along, we have been uh, made aware and it's been made clear to us we are in the last days. Now I think that is the starting place. We are in the last days. Remember the letter started with the stark declaration for the time is near. That's how the letter starts. Uh, Be sure today, this is a letter of urgency for those who are living in these, the last day. Now, these are letters for us. This is an instruction for us, and it is to spark in us a sense of urgency. Well, let me say this morning, in these days, right now, in the time in which we are living, these are vital days for the church. Now, I can't impress that upon us strongly enough These are important days. These are critical days for the church of Jesus Christ. As darkness looms all around us, as evilness absolutely consumes our world, and as people are marching numbly about in utter lostness, these are the days for the church to be the church. And I'll tell you, that's a a theme that we need to grab a hold of. These are the days for the church to be the church. And very sadly, it's not happening. Friends, understand this morning, the world needs help. The world needs hope. The world needs truth. Do you see what's going on around us? And I want to be very honest with you, the world very simply needs Jesus. And it will only find him if the church will be the church. Now, we can watch all the news shows, we can survey the culture, and we can walk around, we can talk about all of the terrible things that are happening, we can talk about all the things we have no control over, when the truth is this, in this day, the church must stand as the church. Here's the question, what will we do with that? What will we do with that? How will we respond to that truth? This is a vital time. The church has to be the church. What will we do with that. <clears throat> Today our message is entitled Christ Church and Christ Pastor. Christ Church and Christ Pastor. Revelation chapter 1 verses 19 and 20. Two verses today. Revelation chapter 1 verses 19 and 20. I'm going to ask if you would if you'd stay with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Christ Church and Christ Pastor. Beginning in verse 19, God's word says, Therefore, write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after these things. As for the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come, we're thankful for your truth. We're thankful for a risen Savior. We're thankful for a hope that endures right now. 
We're thankful, Lord, that you tell us what we can expect and what is required of us. And I pray, Lord, that we as the church of Christ, that we would be built up today, that we would be instructed today, that we'd be equipped today, and that we would stand prepared in these last days. I pray the fruit of that is that many would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray the fruit of that is that many would be held back as they turn in faith to our Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray the fruit of all of that is that you would be greatly glorified. Lord, we pray in this hour that you would speak. We pray that you would move. We trust it to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, I have been saying it, and today I feel compelled to say it again, but I, wanna, I want you to be sure of this. God is speaking. Here we are in the seventh week of this study, and God is speaking. Every week, he is speaking. He is speaking to me. I can tell you I'm sure of that. And he is speaking to you. Now, I want you to think about that. The creator God of all things, our Savior God, is speaking to you in this study. He is speaking to the church. Now, I want you to be aware of that. I want you to be sure of that. I want you to be listening and be aware of what God is saying to us as the church, but to you as an individual. <clears throat> as we begin today, so far in the first chapter, John has heard the voice. The Bible says that is like a trumpet's blast. That is like the sound of many waters. And so he has heard the voice. He has turned to see the voice who is speaking. And when he does, he sees it is Jesus. Now, it's not as he remembers but Jesus is now standing in all of his glory. He records what that looks like. He says he is there like one, like a son of man, robed to his feet like royalty, girded about his chest with a sash of gold. His head and his hair are as bright white. His eyes are aflame, they're as fire. His feet are glowing like burnished bronze. He tells us his face is shining like the sun at noontime. And so he has heard the voice, he has turned to see who is speaking, and he has seen Jesus in all of his glory. Now, not only that, but he has heard the, his words of self-description. He has heard Jesus as he pronounces these words of self-description. Jesus declares he is the living one. He is the one who is dead and yet lives to the ages, yet lives forevermore, holding the keys to death and Hades. And now from that one, from Jesus, he receives his instruction. Now I want you to see how this is unfolding. From Jesus, from that one that he has described, from the one who has described himself, he's about to receive his instructions. Jesus is still speaking. Now, right here, as you picture this scene, I hope I don't have to remind you, this is an awesome thing. This is a tremendous thing. This is a mind-blowing thing. Listen, this actually happened. This is wild. Our Savior, look at him as you read the description. Our Savior, listen to him as you hear his words. Our Savior is marvelous. Our Savior is astonishing. 
there was a professional wrestler on TV when I was a kid, and he used to say, "Woo!" That's what this is. This is time for whoo. He turns and he hears a voice and he sees Jesus in all of his glory and he's about to instruct him. Are you on the edge of your seat? What might he say? Jesus is speaking and he says this, verse 19. <clears throat> Not many sermons had Ric Flair in them this morning. All right, here we go. Verse 19. Therefore, write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after these things. Now, I want you to listen very carefully. All of that's very important. Therefore, write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after these things. Now, verse 19 is a very important verse. In verse 19, let me just tell you, in this single verse, we have what is happening in the book of Revelation. Uh, if you will, we have the outline for the book of Revelation. Now, what is the book of Revelation? What is being revealed in the book of Revelation? What is being told to us in the book of Revelation? Well, here in this one verse, we have an outline for the book of Revelation. <clears throat> he says here, Write th three things. Write three things. The first thing he says, write the things which you have seen. That's the first thing. Write the things which you have seen. Now, that is the vision of the first chapter. It is the vision that he has just witnessed. He says, write this description of Jesus. He looks over and he sees Jesus. Write down that description and write these words, these declarations of Jesus. I want you to get this. The context of the revelation is set here in the first chapter. The clarification of what's happening begins right here as it's explained to us in the first chapter. I will tell you this, even the validity for the entire revelation is established right here in the first chapter. Now, as I was thinking about that, remember back to the Old Testament. Remember the, the prophet Moses has a message and he's to go and deliver the message. Well, he worries and he says, why would they listen to me? And he says, who should I tell them that this message is from? Who should I tell them has sent me? Well, that's what this is. It is laying out here, this is from Jesus. And so we have the description of Jesus. We have the self-description given to us from Jesus. This is the truth from Jesus. This is the revelation of this one, none other, the living one, Jesus himself. <clears throat> and so he says, write down what you have seen. That becomes our first chapter. Write down what you have seen. Second, he says, Write the things which are. Write the things which are. Now that means the things going on right then. And so he says write down the things that are going on right then. Specifically in the seven churches that Jesus is addressing. Now I think the message to the seven churches 
includes us in the church age. I believe it includes all churches in the church age. And so that, that's why we're about to be instructed in the coming two chapters. And so I believe this section, the things which are, are recorded for us here in the second and third chapters. These are instructions for the church. These are corrections for the church. They are exhortations for the church. And they are here in the second and third chapter. Then he says, first, the things which you have seen. Write those down. Then he says, write the things which are. And then he says, the third thing, write the things which take place after these things. Now listen very carefully. Write down the things next which take place after these things. Meaning the things that take place after the things that are. And so we have this second section, I believe the church age, the things that are, and then write down the things that take place after the things that are. Now there are some people, now I'll say as we go through, we're going to see where people go different directions and have different interpretations. There are some people, and they believe these things that take place that are, are just a listing of the next things to take place in the history of those seven churches. And so they would say that was what was going on in the seven churches. After that's going to be a listing of the things that will take place in those churches after those things. They believe those things have already happened. There are some that would say these next things to take place are for the church. And so they would say the things we're about to read, these last section, they are things that are going to take place as the history of the church unfolds. And they might say some of those things have already happened. They might say that some of those things are happening right now. Or they might say some of those things are yet to happen in the unfolding of the history of the church. Now I want you to stay with me. I believe it is more exact than that. I believe it is more telling than that. I believe these things that will take place are going to happen after these things that are taking place right now referring to the church age. And so I believe these are the things that are going to take place after the church age. Listen very carefully. I believe the last part of what John is to write are the events that occur after the age of the church. Now listen very carefully. I believe these last things that John is going to write are the things that take place after the church has been raptured and removed to heaven. And I believe that is what John writes and records starting in the fourth chapter. And so he says, write these things that you have seen, the vision that gives the validity, it comes from Jesus. Write the things that are going on right now, the things that included the seven churches, but include the church age as well. And the things that will take place after these things means the things that will take place after the church has been raptured out. And I believe that starts the fourth chapter. I know that is big. I know that is deep. I know that in our day that is upsetting to some folks. I read this week that that view is immature and ignorant. 
I've been called a lot worse than that, so that's okay. Now, we'll get deeper later. But let me make this plain for us today. If that is the outline, if that's what's happening, let me make this plain for us today. What does this mean for us today? It means this. In this age of the church, we have the mission of the Great Commission. In this age of the church, we have the message of grace. In this age of the church, we have the gospel of salvation. And if people are to ever hear that, if they are to be saved in this age, the duty rests on the preaching, the proclamation of the church. After that will begin the time of judgment. And so let me just sum all that up for you. That means church, these are our days. These are our days to be loud in the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are the days for us to shout the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are our days to hold back the perishing, holding out the hope of a risen Savior. These are our days to cry out, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Come to Jesus, he'll save you. You want to know what we ought to be telling folks? Come to Jesus, he'll save you. Oh, the things are bad. Come to Jesus, he'll save you. Oh, the, the weight of my sin. Come to Jesus, he'll save you. These are our days, church. <clears throat> Listen to verse 19 again. Therefore, write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after these things. Let me just tell you something. It is crazy to me. This is the result. This is what he wrote. Is that not staggering to you? These words, these verses, this is what he wrote. Write the things you've seen. Write the things which are. Write the things that will happen after the things that are. This is what he wrote. This is the record. This verse. These words. That's what he wrote. In that understanding, we go to verse 20. And so we have the outline there in verse 19. In that understanding, it's going to make sense why it links to verse 20. Verse 20 says this. As for the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now I want you to hear all of this. Let me read that again. As for the mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. From this, in this age, in our age, I want us to see this morning some truths about the church and some truths about the pastor of the church. Now, I believe the 19th verse tells us the importance of the age we're living in. I believe when we go further in the study, we'll see how urgent our mission is. But in this understanding this morning, I want us to see today some truths about the church 
and some truth about the pastor of the church. All right, let's look at it. The first thing we see is this. <clears throat> In this, we need to see the provision. I, I really think that's a good word. The provision of the church. Not the provision for the church, but the giving of the church. The provision of the church. Notice it says there, there are seven lampstands. We know those are specific seven local churches. Notice that it says here, Jesus in all of his glory stands in the midst of the lampstands. The end of verse 20, it says, and the lampstands are the churches. I want us to see this, and I want us to get this this morning. The church is the provision of Jesus. The church is the plan of Jesus to reach a lost world. And it is an act of grace that Jesus established the church, and it is an act of grace that he gives the church to a world that is lost and perishing outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you something. <clears throat> you, you'll see this. Today, the world we're living in seeks to belittle the church. Do you notice that? Today, the world seeks to, to downplay the church. It seeks to ridicule the church. Today, the world, as Satan's leading, wants to make insignificant the church of Jesus Christ. And so the world says that's antiquated. The world says that's unnecessary. The, the Bible says, the, the world says that's intolerant. The world says that's not needed. And the world wants to come and make insignificant the church. And I want you to be sure, friends, we play right into it when we are not committed to the church. We play right into it when we're not active, seriously active in the mission of the church. We play right into it when we do not value the church. <clears throat> Today, I'll be honest with you. I have never seen people so apathetic about the church as I have in these days. And I'm just going to be honest with you, I've never seen people so apathetic about the church. Now, if you want to know the reason why, I'll go ahead and tell you the reason why. It's because somewhere we quit seeing the church as the provision of Christ for a lost world, and we started seeing it about us. And we started saying, oh, the church, it's all about us. It's all about pleasing me. And we started seeing it about us. And so when we're tired or when we're mad about something or when we're distracted or when we're busy doing something else or most likely when we're glad to be left alone in our sin and the filth of the world, we as believers neglect the church of Jesus Christ. Somewhere we start thinking it's about us. Somewhere we start thinking it's about pleasing me instead of reaching a lost world that'll perish outside of Jesus. We neglect the church. First thing we see, it's the provision of Christ. Second thing we see in this is we actually see the purpose of the church. Now, I think it's interesting. There's a lot of folks 
that try to reinvent every couple of years the purpose of the church. And they put together committees and they try to decide what's the purpose of the church. And they say the world around us is changing. We have to reevaluate and reconnect what's the purpose of the church. And so there's a lot of folks trying to actually figure out the purpose of the church. Well, listen, we don't have to do that. In just this, we see the purpose of the church. Again, the last of verse 20, it says, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now, I want you to think about that. What does a lampstand do? It's not hard. What does a lampstand do? It, it holds up the light. It broadcasts the light. You have some lights. Maybe you got several of them. You put them in a lampstand, and it broadcasts the light. It is the holder. It is the displayer of the light. Be sure today, the mission of the church, Jesus is the light of the world. He has ascended to glory. He calls us today, having the word of God, being filled with the spirit of God, saved by the gospel of Christ, he calls us the light of the world. And so the mission of the church is for us to display and to announce and to pronounce the good news of Jesus. Here's what I've noticed. I'm not very smart, but here's what I've noticed. If you take one light and add another light, it's brighter. I've noticed that. We'll be going out to the, to the chicken pen, and we got one flashlight, and we're, we're kind of still having to watch what we're going to trip over. You know what? We get two lights. It's brighter. I'll figure that out. Be here on Christmas Eve. You take one light, and you light another, it's brighter. You take four lights, you add another light, it's brighter. You take 50 lights, you add a light, it's brighter. You get 200 candles burning, and hey, it's brighter. You add another light, it is brighter. Church, listen to me. We are the church. You are the church. And the world is dark, and it's getting darker. And this is the time for the lampstand to shine. It's time for the lampstand to hold up the peace and the hope and the joy and the forgiveness of sin that we have in Jesus. We see here the purpose of the church. <coughs> and I, we'd be remiss not to see this. We also see the power of the church. In this, we see the power of the church. I want you to hear this. Do you know the church is not normal? Now, somehow we've started treating it like it's normal. We started having an expectation like it's normal. The church is not normal. Civic clubs are normal. The world's clubs, they're normal. The book club, it's normal. The sewing club, it's normal. The golf club, it's normal. The church is not normal. You know why? Because the church is supernatural. The, ch the church is not normal. It's supernatural. It is empowered by God. It is filled by people that are filled with the Spirit of God. And when they come together in the leading of God, they come together in the empowerment of God. The church is a supernatural thing. People come and say, you know what? I feel different when I come to church. You know what, I feel better when I come to church. I feel renewed when I leave the church. I want to tell you, it's not normal. There's something that goes on here. It is the empowerment of God. The church is a supernatural thing. I want you to see this. As 
chapter 1 closes, Jesus in all of his glory, he stands not outside of the church. He stands not away from the church. He stands not behind the church. Oh, that Jesus will be behind the church. He doesn't stand behind the church. No, in verse 13, in the middle of the lampstands, Jesus stands in all of his glory, in all of his wisdom, in all of his grace, in all of his power, in all of his love, in the smack middle of the churches is where Jesus stands. What an awesome truth that is. Jesus is in the midst of the church and there is where he stands. Folks, in these days, we got to get serious about the church. We got to get serious about our commitment to the church. In these days, Jesus is coming again very shortly. And there's those outside of the hearing of the gospel that they haven't heard of the, the Savior we have in Jesus. And I want to tell you, friends, we have to get serious about the church. <clears throat> now, I'm not done. In that understanding, there's two things coupled together. I think it's pretty awesome. In that understanding, we also see the pastor of the church. We hear about the church, but while we're on that vein, we also hear about the pastor of the church. Let me just say this. I'm going to just tell you a couple things up front, and then I'm going to preach this. I've never really heard pastors preach much on pastors. And I went back and started thinking about how I grew up and what I heard and where I've been. I've never really heard pastors preach much on pastors. Now, maybe the reason is it seems self-serving. And so maybe they think, well, I'm the audience here, and so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna preach. Or if I'm preaching on pastors, maybe it is self-serving. Or maybe it seems like the message might be prejudicial. It comes from the pastor after all. And so I, I, in my history, it hasn't been dealt with that much. But let me say this, and I want you to hear me this morning. If the church today is ever going to be the church, especially in this day, are you listening to me? If the church is ever going to be the church, it will happen when pastors start acting like pastors. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I, I, I believe much of the failing of the church today, we can talk about where the church is messed up today, where the church has gotten sidetracked today, where the church has lost its way today. I want to tell you, much of the failing of the church is because of the failing of pastors today. And I want to tell you something, you better listen to me. We need not in our pulpits hired friends. We need not admired administrators. We need not popular personalities. We need not Mickey Mouse messengers, but we need God called, God sent pastors to lead the church today. <clears throat> See this in verse 20. It says, the seven stars in his right hand, Jesus says, the, the seven stars in his right hand are the seven angels, are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven stars in his right hand are the angels 
of the seven churches. Now, let me just tell you the other side of it. There are some folks that say this is referring to actual angels. And they would say this is referring to angels who watch over the local church, who aid and serve the local church. Now, listen, I believe those exist. We need some of those. And so there's some folks that believe that's what it's talking about. I do not believe that's what Jesus is referring to here. Go with me. At the start of the letter, it says this letter is the revelation of the Father given to Jesus who communicated it to an angel to give to John. John was supposed to give it to the church. Now, those are the first two verses of the first chapter. That's what this is. Well, to me, it would be weird and it would be redundant to give a message to an angel to give to John to give back to angels. That seems redundant. I don't think that would happen. The angel could have just given it to the angel. <clears throat> I believe this is referring to the pastors of each of the local churches. And so see this. In this, we're going to see two things, and then we're going to be done. In this, we see the place of the pastor. In this, we see the place of the pastor. Now, I want you to notice where he is found. He is found, the Bible says, Jesus says, in his right hand. Now, we've seen that for two weeks. The right hand is the authoritative hand of Christ. It is the ruling hand of Christ. And so the pastors, the, the angels, are found in the right hand of Christ. That means, how does Jesus administrate the local church? He is the head of the church. We know that. How does he administrate the local church? He does it through his pastor. And so the great shepherd, Jesus, leads the church through his under-shepherd, the pastor. And so that's why the Bible tells us the pastor is under God's judgment for his leadership. The Bible says that they will give an account as to one who will give an account. There is a stewardship given to the pastor. They are responsible for their leadership. I'll tell you this. It's also why the pastor, and God's word says it, is also worthy of double honor. Let me tell you something. I've got two sermons right here. We're running out of time. I'm going to go quick. I'll just say this. <clears throat> The God-called pastor of the local church. Now, there's some that aren't. That's a whole different thing. And I'll tell you, a lot of our trouble today is we got folks that aren't called to be pastors acting like pastors. But I want to tell you this truth. The God-called pastor of the local church, he is not somebody to talk about. He's not somebody to joke about. He's not someone to make un, un, undue criticism about. He's not somebody to sit around and gossip about. He's not somebody to tear down or belittle. The Bible says they are someone that you ought to pray for. The Bible says they are, you're, they are someone you ought to submit to. The Bible says they are someone you ought to serve with all for the glory of Jesus. Listen, we have to see the place of the pastor in the church and pastors need to start stepping in and acting like pastors in their churches. I got a sermon right there. I'm going to keep going. I don't want to go there right now. 
We see here that, the place of the pastor. Next thing we see here is the purpose of the pastor. I'm going to keep moving. The purpose of the pastor. Now, I think it's very telling in the language here. <clears throat> the word angel in the New Testament, look it up. It literally means messenger. That's what an angel is, a messenger of God. That is how they serve God. They're messengers. In the same way, the pastor is the angel of the church, is the messenger of God. And so listen, you want to know what the purpose of the pastor is? Be very clear. It is to bring the message from God. Today, that is the declaration of, that is the defense of, that is the proclamation of, and that is the teaching of the word of God. You want to know what the purpose of the pastor is? He's to preach and to explain and teach and defend and stand on the word of God. That is how the pastor leads the church. That is how the pastor comforts the church. That is how the pastor instructs and corrects the church. It is in the proclamation of the Bible, the word of God. You want to know why there's a lot of failing going on in the office of pastor today? We got pastors doing other things instead of declaring, thus saith the Lord, the word of God. Being a pastor is a weird thing. I'll give you several reasons. But being a pastor is a weird thing because people don't mind telling you where you fail. I don't know there's any other, any other job like that. People don't mind telling you where you fail as a pastor. And I'll just tell you, I've heard all the things I don't do enough of. Been doing this 17 years, it goes fast. I've heard all the things I don't do enough of, you know the list. I'll tell you about that, I'm sorry. But I want to tell you something this morning, and I want you to hear it. I'm glad you're here to hear it. And that is this. So help me God. There will never be a day, and may there never be a day, or there, may there never be a time that I failed to seriously, faithfully, boldly proclaim the word of God, the Bible. So help me God. You know what we need in these days? We need pastors to preach the Bible. And we need pastors to tell folks there's a Savior in Christ. We need folks to explain the doctrine of grace, that there is a Savior that loves you, that has paid his way in the cross of Calvary, paid your way, and that if you'll receive him by faith, he'll save you. We need folks that'll preach the gospel of Jesus Christ as explained in the scriptures. That's what we need today. You want to know when the church is going to get right when we have people proclaiming the Bible. You want to know when there'll be revivals in our land when we got pulpits proclaiming the Bible. You want to know when our nation will be shaken to its core and look different when there's churches proclaiming the living word of God, the Bible, sharper than a double-edged sword. I'm going to tell you my favorite part of this whole thing is this. It says the pastor's held in the hand of Jesus. And I'll just tell you, are they human? Yes. Do they fail? Yes. Do they mess up? Yes, severely. But called by God, empowered by God, they're held in the hand of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Why is that here? Why the church and the pastor? Why this explanation before we head 
to the fourth chapter, it's this, that you might know Jesus, that a lost world might know Jesus. I want to tell you the good news of, of today is this, there is a Savior that loves you. And he sees you, he knows of your sin. You haven't hidden him from it, from him. He sees your sin. He loves you so much. He came, he lived a life where he never sinned, that he would go in your stead, in your place. That's the good news of our gospel. He goes to the cross of Calvary. That's what that's about. And there he pays for, for my sin and for your sin. There he carries my shame. And there he pays for it. He dies my death, your death. And with the price paid and with the, with the payment received, He's put in a grave, and he says, it is finished. They put him in a grave. He's dead. Three days later, he walks out of that grave. He stands as the risen king, the risen lamb. By faith in him, the Bible says we're saved. You want to know why a pastor that will preach is important? You want to know why a church that will proclaim is important? It's because the world needs to know that gospel. The world needs to know that truth. Listen, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, his grace is offered to you this very minute. Turn to Jesus, he'll save you. Listen, if you're here and you've trusted Christ, you have a mission when you leave these doors is to go and tell a lost world, maybe your family members, maybe your friend, maybe your coworkers, there's a Savior. If you'll trust him, he'll save you. We have a mission in these days. These days are our days. Let's pray. We follow we come and we thank you today. We praise you today. We're thankful for a Savior today, for a hope, an anchor a foundation. We're thankful for eternal life, the forgiveness of sin. We come and we exalt you, Lord, as we read these descriptions, we stand in awe. Lord, I pray if there's somebody that doesn't know you, I pray in the preaching of the word of God that they would hear, that they would receive you in faith, they'd be saved. They would repent and turn from their sin and turn to the living lamb. Lord, I pray for us as the church today that we've been encouraged. I pray, Lord, maybe we've been pushed a little bit. I pray, Lord, that we would, we would stand in these days and we would uphold your truth, not shrink back. I pray we'd be useful to you. Lord, I pray for pastors. Pray that you bless them, encourage them, strengthen them, use them. I pray for churches, Lord. May they be lampstands that, that hold up the truth of the Savior, our hope, Jesus. Lord, we give you this time of invitation. We trust it to you. We ask that you would work, that you would move, and I lay it before your feet, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, listen, your hope alone is in Christ. And I don't care where you've been looking, your hope alone is in Christ. If you'll turn to him today, he'll save you. If you wanna talk about that further, if you need more information in this time of invitation, you come, let's talk it over, let's settle it today. Maybe you're here and you've made a decision, but you need to follow in believer's baptism as Anthony did. You need to stand and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel and I want the world to see what I believe, the truth of my Savior, who I am in my Savior. You come, we'll set a day, it'll be a great day of celebration of testimony. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here. You come as well and together we'll serve his glory, his name until he comes again. Maybe you want to come pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about, no one would hurt, head for an exit. Truly the most important time of our service. As we stand and sing, if God has spoken to you, you step out. You come on, I'll meet you here.